Hey ya girlies, it's me, Devlin Camp. This is a special queer serial announcement coming to you from the future, 2023. You're listening to an episode from the past, during which you might hear me plug some bonus content, especially in the credits. But as of 2023, here's everything you need to know if you want more queer serial, or if you want to support my many ongoing LGBTQ history projects. I got a lot going on. You can sign up for periodic email updates at the link for everything in the episode notes. First off, you can now listen to my entire backlog of Queer Serial bonus episodes on Apple Podcasts, just like you listen to the regular episodes. Just head to the Queer Serial show page on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to additional bonus episodes for $2.99 a month. Those episodes are everything from my Patreon, minus the visual stuff, but all of the bonus episodes. It includes all of the spin-off episodes, Forgotten Fairy Tales, the White Knight Riots interviews, all of my Mattachine meeting interviews, Randy Wicker Radio, etc., 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 every episode of everything I've ever made. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts for $2.99 a month, or still for $3 a month on Patreon if you want the bonus episodes and all of my visual research and my archive dives included, and behind the scenes of my Randy Wicker documentary. Also, If you're a Spotify kind of girl like me, you can also get all of my bonus episodes through Spotify now too. Just go to the podcast section and search Queer Serial Bonus Shows and there's a whole feed of Queer Serial Bonus Shows. And if you wanna get some gay merch while also supporting my queer history projects, check out the new Queer Serial Etsy shop. Etsy.com slash shop slash queer history uplift. There's a link in the episode notes here. I've got podcast merch from throughout the series and also lots of queer history related items like postcards from Mona's 1930s lesbian bar and Marsha P. Johnson stickers with her own handwriting that says gay love always straight from the Wicker and Johnson archive that I've been working on. And I've got gorgeous mugs that say queer history is world history. Other stickers that say drag is not a crime with a real photo of drag queens being arrested. And I've got these warning stickers that you can put in textbooks that are lacking queer history to warn future readers. Lots of other buttons and other stuff on Etsy too. There are links to everything in the episode notes here and at QueerSerial.com or just search for me on Instagram, Etsy, Patreon, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. I think that's everything. While you're on QueerSerial.com, by the way, check out the new episode guide. You can explore the entire podcast series episode by episode with all the research and transcripts and bonus episodes and lots of photos and videos from the true history that I cover, all at QueerSerial.com. Finally, last thing, you don't have to, but if you'd like to, go ahead and catch up on all four seasons of Queer Serial and the bonus episodes before season five comes out this October, Queer History Month. The new season is a standalone story in our history and a spin-off of an event that I briefly touched on in Season 3, Episode 7, if you want a hint. Stay tuned. Thanks so much for all of your support. I literally couldn't do it without you. Enjoy the show. fight has persisted through the last century in gay liberation. It was a fight between German reformers of the first queer rights organizations. It was a fight between Henry Gerber and Manuel Boyfrank in our first episode. 
It will later be a fight between the Gay Liberation Front and ACT UP and the politics of the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force and Log Cabin Republicans. This same fight is tearing the Mattachine apart. At the first convention of the Mattachine in last week's episode, Mattachinos took sides, culturalist or assimilationist. The culturalist side believes in declaring the gay community a legal minority with rights in its own culture. This culture exists because gay people see the world differently than straight people. By the way we think, our beliefs, our traditions, our ideology, and relationships work differently because our relationships aren't based on the need to reproduce. The other side, the assimilationist side, believes in merging into major society, essentially saying that gay people are exactly like anyone else aside from who we take to bed. This side wants to assimilate to society because they don't want to be separated from people even more, especially by working within a secretive organization founded by former communists who are being hunted by the FBI. Alliances form. At the first convention of the Mattachine, a new constitution to decide which side the organization will choose could not be finished. The Mattachine can't move forward without a constitution, without knowing what they are fighting for. They don't know if they will remain anonymous or go public as the FBI closes in on their hunt for communist homosexuals. While waiting for the next convention in six weeks, it becomes clear to Mattachine leadership that the San Francisco group's new treasurer, David Finn, is in contact with the Attorney General, and that he had been closely associated with the FBI for many years and would consider it his duty to report the activities of the convention if they do not reaffirm the new principles of the Mattachine. Pressure builds to give in to that assimilationist side, because embracing a separate homosexual culture means confirming the principles of the communist founders. Harry Hay jokes that the people in the Mattachine are as scared of promoting gay culture almost as much as they fear communists. Chuck Rowland writes to fellow culturalist Jerry Brissett, The fact that a homosexual culture exists in no way implies that we do not want, are not working for, integration. But integration does not imply dissolution. In fact, it can't. If society accepts us, are we therefore any less homosexual? If Negroes are completely accepted, are they therefore <laughs> whiter? Do they abandon their music, their art? In the Mattachine, we are seeking acceptance of the homosexual in society. Do we deny the difference or do we recognize the difference? Deny the difference from what? Well, gays are no different from straights. They just thought we were different. They thought we were sissies and cowards and afraid to fight. I think the gays are very different from straights. For an organization to exist in secrecy is to invite its persecution. We've got to set up all kinds of safeguards on ourselves. If we slip now, we could set everything back 20 or 30 years, you see. Motion to adjourn for the day. Motion denied. If we would put ourselves to begin to recognize the difference between our own gay consciousness and the straight world that we've had to endure for so long. I am convinced now that my opinion was incorrect. They set themselves up as the fools. Our homosexuals themselves satisfied with the way they are. I think we'd have to say they are not. Mattachine is a podcast dedicated to exploring the overlooked, forgotten, or often untold stories in gay history. I'm Devlin Camp. Check out our website, mattachinepod.com, for visual guides and the six previous episodes in the serialized story of the Mattachine. May 23rd, 1953. Hal Call steps off the plane in Los Angeles and drives to Jim Kepner's home in Echo Park. Hal is serving as secretary of the San Francisco group and stands firmly against communist and culturalist rhetoric. 
He spent six weeks preparing for the second convention of the Mattachine with his close friend, David Finn, the member threatening to contact the FBI. They brought a plan to assimilate the Mattachine to greater society. Jim Kepner will never forget seeing Hal call Trudge up the hill fuming. Kepner, you might recall, took more of a neutral stance at the convention, though his recollections of that day imply he's more of a culturalist himself. Kepner and a bipartisan preamble committee meet very early over at Dor Legg's place, in Dor's musty living room. You might remember Dor as the guy who worked at One Magazine, whom Hal had reached out to for information on the anonymous Mattachine Foundation. This committee discusses their plan for the wording of the Mattachine Constitution's preamble, that paragraph with the pesky phrase, an ethical homosexual culture, which many assimilationists disagree with. The assimilationists actually decide to present the preamble today at the second convention, almost exactly as the anonymous founders had presented it at the first convention six weeks ago, but with a twist. That afternoon, Kepner and Hal head back to the First Universalist Church for the second convention. Once again, everyone is there, dressed sharp for the occasion. Hal Call approaches David Fenn, friend of the FBI, outside. Kepner recognizes Fenn. I had seen him often during my shipyard days in 43, but some strange repulsion kept me from approaching him. 3 p.m. Ken Burns drops the gavel on the stand, bringing the Mattachine to order. Reverend Wallace de Ortega Maxi begins the convention with a prayer. Discussions ensue on the main topic at hand, the same thing we talked about last week, the Constitution. Will they remain an anonymous membership in order to protect members from the government and encourage a gay minority addendum to the U.S. Constitution? Or will they assimilate to greater heteronormative society as people no different from anyone else aside from who they sleep with? Culturalist or assimilationist? They debate over the restructuring of the Mattachine's organization, how local chapters were formed safely under the power of a board, but a game is being played within that argument. It can be seen only by the politically savvy. The political game is the removal of Harry Hay's ruling foundation from the organization's structure. The removal of these men from power. Harry, Rudy, Bob, Chuck, Dale, Conrad, and James, the original creators and ruling foundation of the Mattachine, find they are now stacked high on a trembling house of cards. They break for dinner and return to pick up the fight once more. Firm culturalists try to have the discussions tabled again as they see the assimilationists winning everyone over, but they keep moving forward. They reach an article about who will approve new chapters throughout the country. Many with Jerry in the East Bay think the Foundation should approve new chapters. Ken Burns bangs his gavel. Out of order, our relationship to the Foundation is a policy matter and not a constitutional matter. Shouts erupt, objecting Ken's ruling. Without the power to approve new Mattachine chapters, the Foundation's power would dissolve. Jerry Brissett presents an amendment that would give money from membership dues to the Foundation for their work to which Ken rules yet again. Our relationship with the Mattachine Foundation is a policy matter and not a constitutional matter. Which means, quite simply, the creators of the Mattachine are not involved with the Constitution. They have no power. Eight hours into the debate, a Constitution is adopted. There is still no preamble, no new name for the Mattachine, and no officers elected. And everyone is exhausted. Motion to adjourn for the day. Motion denied. They take a brief recess. It's an hour to midnight when the members of the Mattachine gather on the convention floor to approve a preamble. 
Jim Kepner and the Preamble Committee present their work. We, the members of blank, in full awareness of our social obligations, hold it necessary that a highly ethical homosexual culture be integrated into society. And whereas the present laws of many lands are discriminatory and limit the best expression of this culture, and whereas we are resolved that these people shall find equality, and whereas we desire to spread knowledge of the aims and aspirations of this through mutual education, of its membership, and of society, we, therefore... Kepner is unprepared for the pandemonium that follows. The preamble, the basic goal of the organization, tears the room down the middle. Assimilationists take a hard stand against the highly ethical homosexual culture. Shouting fills the church hall. Halkal stands to address the convention. The preamble committee has given the culturalists exactly what they wanted, that line about culture. And now, for his assimilationist, Halkal presents a statement to be attached to the preamble. Whereas we believe that our group can only achieve the social integration which it seeks within the framework of a free society, and whereas we find it especially significant that the most brutal and restrictive laws against homosexuality occur in those countries, like Russia, where freedom of the individual is most severely limited and whereas those who attack the basic freedom of the individual in this country, both of the extreme right and the extreme left, have been the most bitter enemies of the homosexual. We therefore resolve to pledge ourselves to fight racial, religious, and sexual discrimination within and outside the organization. Notice the statements that would subtly and certainly set their organization apart from communists. Like Russia, extreme left, fight within the organization. And then Hal adds, to be certain, those statements don't go unnoticed. With this article in our preamble, no communist could honestly accept it. And this includes communist sympathizers. So not only is the original foundation, all communist sympathizers, now powerless, but these people of the foundation who created the organization are ousted from the Mattachine altogether. Marilyn Boopsy-Rieger, secretary of the convention, stands. Her letter to the foundation one month earlier requesting answers about their secrecy had been given a generic response, as you might recall. She distributes a new letter now, denouncing the very nature of the foundation, which has been secrecy and promotion of homosexuals as a minority. We are organizing a minority which is emphasizing the fact that we are homosexual and pointing out our differences rather than our similarities by limiting our integration only within the homosexual population and by moving underground in secrecy and with fear. For an organization to exist in secrecy is to invite its persecution only by coming out into the open, by integrating, not as homosexuals, but as people, as men and women whose homosexuality is irrelevant to our ideals, our principles, our hopes and aspirations, that we will rid the world of its misconcepts of homosexuality and homosexuals. David Finn agrees, reminding the crowd of possible communist influence within the foundation. Chuck Rowland feels they're playing the communist card, not because they have anything on anyone, but because the foundation is saying daring things. That's what communists do. They create waves, they make scenes, they're unpleasant. <laughs> they don't balance their coffee cups on their knees politely. Hal Call moves for his not so subtly anti-communist proposal to be unanimously adopted as a resolution. Unattached to the preamble. They take a vote. Seven vote against. Ken Burns just wants to get this fight over with before it keeps him there all night. So he quickly announces a unanimous vote. They return to the preamble motion for the term culture to be removed in favor of the term people. 
The term culture conveys a sense of togetherness and a sense of oneness. It conveys the idea that we all have a common destiny. It refers to the idea that we are a group. We are a special group, whether we like it or not. We are trying to put across the idea that we are people like other people. In the beginning, I objected to the word culture on these grounds. When asked whether I am a homosexual, I answered by asking when. Then it was pointed out to me that I am homosexual not only when I am indulgent in a sexual expression, I am homosexual many other times. Perhaps there is something inherent in homosexuality that gives me a different response to the world that I live in. Or perhaps there is something inherent to my adjustment to homosexuality in contemporary society that determines my method of expression. But at any rate, I am homosexual a good deal of the time, and I draw from, I exist in, and I hope I may contribute to an area of expression and activity which may be defined by the name culture. All of this fighting, traveling across the state to gather, the long nights, the endless letters, the nitpicking of a single word in the preamble of a constitution, must be done. Because, as Chuck Rowland will later explain, The only way they were ever going to get along in society was by being nice, quiet, polite little boys that our maiden aunts would have approved of. We were not going to get along in the world by going out and flaunting our homosexuality. There were people of goodwill who would help us, but we could not do anything naughty, like having picket signs or parades. So, paperwork, right now, is the only way. And because it's so complicated, to establish what an ethical homosexual culture is without aspects similar to communism, many people just want to go the other way. Motion to hold off on the preamble and continue working on it? Out of order. This is the original foundation's final chance to at least leave their mark on the Mattachine, the organization they created on the hillside in the bushes by Harry's house. The vote is called 26 to 25. The highly ethical homosexual culture is defeated. The convention will now have to hash out every mention of the word culture in the amendments, which the Foundation has enough support in fighting through the night. It's late, past midnight, and since Halcall's statement protecting the society against communist influence has already been accepted, the convention almost entirely accepts the preamble as is, with the word culture, because now it doesn't really matter. It's clear they're not a pro-communist organization. The debate reaches a stopping point for the exhausted delegates. As people gather their things to leave, one delegate brings up a point of order, questioning the legality of Call's statement accepted through a unanimous adoption, which was actually only accepted by a majority. Seven voted against. No one will hear the argument, and everyone quickly votes to adjourn until tomorrow. And I know that all kinds of changes are going to have to take place. I'm not quite sure how it's all going to go, but this is the most important thing that's ever happened to me, and I am ready to throw all caution to the winds. Sunday morning, around 10 a.m., the anonymous Mattachine Foundation shows up at Harry Hayes' house again. They're together for what feels like the final time. Bob Hull explains that a congressional committee is soon coming west to California to investigate left nonprofit foundations. It's clear red baiting, the government looking to take down communists. We can't hold this thing. They're all either former communists or at least fellow travelers. The Mattachine is falling apart with them in charge. Elsewhere, across town, 
Committees are meeting to choose a new name for the organization and move on. Harry realizes that they are no longer unanimous under the call. And he feels that his friends have become opportunistic by not supporting him. 2.40 p.m. Ken Burns calls the convention to order. Chuck takes the stage once again. He announces that the foundation had met that morning. Many of the founders are still anonymous to members, and Chuck says he speaks for them. For a while in the last month, many of the foundation members were of the honest opinion that this group could not function without the Mattachine Foundation as a group to coordinate, advise, and assist the various area councils. With this in mind, as I expressed to several of you last night, I was opposed to this idea of a state organization, but the state organization was formed, and I am convinced now that my opinion was incorrect. He goes on to explain that the founders are a little upset that the new constitution didn't try to include the foundation in the organization. It is our honest opinion that with the state organization, there is really no function that the foundation could perform that you people in the new organization could not perform. For this reason, we have voted unanimously to dissolve the foundation and to give you the name Mattachine and to turn over to you, as soon as it can be done legally, the funds, the mailing lists, all the facilities and properties of the foundation for the new society. The convention hall sits in shock. The founders all stand and show themselves to the convention to acknowledge their support of the decision. Harry Hay, Rudy Gernreich, Bob Hull, Chuck Rowland, Dale Jennings, Conrad Stevens, and James Gruber look around at their constituents who have now taken control of their organization. Harry Hay will later equate it to the Wizard of Oz showing himself to Dorothy. <laughs> Applause erupts. And of course, debate ensues. Dorleg recommends the founders remain leaders of the new society. Hal Call reminds them that allowing these people to remain part of the society will leave them all vulnerable to HUAC investigations, and they will be deemed fellow travelers. He suggests allowing the foundation members to remain members, though not a part of any foundation or council. Harry will have no part in that. A heated debate ensues over the danger or benefits of keeping the Mattachine name after being printed by the red-baiting press, ending with the Foundation member announcing, I feel that there is no more stigma that is attached to the name Mattachine than there is attached to anything that includes the word homosexual. A winning majority vote to keep the Mattachine name is taken, and applause fills the church. A statement is read officially dissolving the Mattachine Foundation and declaring the newly formed Mattachine Society. A motion is approved to thank the Foundation for their efforts on our behalf. The convention finally elects officers, including Chair of the Convention Ken Burns, as Chairman of the new Mattachine Society, Harriet Stanley as Vice Chair, David Finn, friend of the FBI, as Legislative Committee Chair, Dorleg as Treasurer, Marilyn Boopsy Rieger as secretary, Hal Call as chapter secretary, and Martin Block, founding editor of One Magazine, as publications chairman. There is little support in electing the original founders. Most people assume that grudges would fade over the years, but Jim Kepner will later write that The process left wounds that would last 30 years, and at the end of that weekend, nothing was completed except the unravelment of the founders' dreams. It's disappointing to the former communists like Harry Hay. He was in the closet when he was a communist, and after rejecting the Communist Party in favor of his homosexuality, the homosexuals rejected him due to his communism. 
That evening, another member proposes a challenge to Halkal's anti-communist resolution with the preamble and the seven dissenting votes. Most of the delegates from out of town have left already, and Ken Burns shouts out of order, declaring this a shady trick to pull on the fellow delegates who are already gone. The issue is put aside for good. Chairman Ken Burns then closes the convention. At times, I know, we all wondered if we were ever going to get through with anything. We got to the end of our rope at times. But in the end, when everything dies down, when we look back, I think we will find that we really have something we can be proud of. All members will now be known to the entire organization. No pseudonyms, but only officers' names will be made public information. Jim Kepner and Dale Jennings leave the Mattachine to work with One Incorporated's One magazine. Harry and Chuck feel as if the assimilationist conservatives they invited into their society have walked away with their baby. Dorleg will recall that... When it was all over, the original people just ran into the hills. Lovers break up. Friends swear at each other and never speak again. Harry Hay vanishes and the former founders begin to believe that he hates them. This guy who we had been through hell and paradise with suddenly was not available. Rudy will never speak to any of them again, except for Harry, though they'll break up this year. Rudy will become a well-known avant-garde fashion designer and will be featured on the cover of Time magazine in 1967. Time will call him the most way-out, far-ahead designer in the U.S. Chuck also thinks that this breakup of the Mattachine is what will indirectly cause Bob Hull's later suicide. Chuck loses touch with everyone in the Mattachine for years. Harry Hay had founded a minority who at least agreed somewhat with communist ideals. He wanted the Mattachine to find out what gays were and had been, and most importantly, what they stand for. The original society was based on this feeling of idealism, a great transcendent dream of what being gay was all about. I had proposed from the very beginning that it would be Mattachine's job to find out who we gays were and had been over the millennia and what we were for, and on such basis, to find out ways to make our contributions to our parent hetero society. It would be upon such contributions that we would renegotiate the relationships of gays to the hetero majority, but such bargaining was always to be between gays and straights as groups, never as individual gays making deals behind the scenes. The Mattachine after 1953 was primarily concerned with legal change, with being seen as respectable rather than self-respecting. They wanted to be dignified by professional, quote-unquote, authorities and prestigious people, rather than by the more compelling dignity of group worth. Harry hands all speaking engagements over to the new Mattachine and publishes only under his pen name, the one he signed to the call, Ian MacDonald. It isn't ironic just because the creator of the organization is singled out, it's ironic because his own pledge to, to unconditionally guard the anonymity of all members of the Mattachine is the thing that took Harry Hay down. As the FBI closes in, it's for the safety of everyone in Harry's life that he goes away. Two days after the convention, boxes arrive for Harriet Stanley, the Mattachine Society's new vice chair. The boxes are full of Harry Hay's correspondence in organizing the Mattachine, probably some of the very letters I've read here. The last letter in the box is from Harry to Harriet. It explains the danger of assimilating. It is a contract between an individual and an engulfing majority whereby the individual tailors himself, regardless of his personal independent requirements, to be acceptable to the community's arbitrary conditions. 
Three days after that, there's a knock on David Finn's office door in San Francisco. He opens the door to see two FBI agents. You've confirmed that the Mattachine is definitely not subversive. Yes, and I would be glad to cooperate with the FBI in the future. They enter the room. What do you know about one magazine? Nothing, except for having read a couple of issues. What is One Magazine's tie to the Mattachine Foundation? I don't think it has any. We're aware you're active in Mattachine activities. David Finn writes to Chairman Ken Burns. It seemed at that point to be as cooperative and as positive without saying any more than was necessary. I had to explain that the society was formed because there was a suspicion, unproven, but since it was there we wanted none of it, that some Mattachine Foundation persons were at least sympathetic to communist doctrines. I told them of the resolution and its approximate wording and our general feelings toward communism. He tells the agents that the Mattachine Society is not a homosexual organization, but it is composed also of other persons having an understanding of the problems and a desire to assist us. The agents interrogate him about who in the FBI might be gay. They ask him why he isn't registered as an admitted deviant. David gives them copies of the Mattachine Constitution and explains the work to purge communists out. Though the records are redacted, the FBI finds much help from members in the San Francisco area. FBI Director Hoover still isn't convinced. He forwards the reports to the Justice Department Criminal Division for possible prosecution under Eisenhower's Executive Order 10450. As discussed in our episode 5, this is a security program that focuses on adulterers, drunks, parents of illegitimate children, and homosexuals as national security threats, but mostly homosexuals. The FBI spends the rest of 1953 investigating the leaders of the Mattachine, names all now released to the public. They retain a copy of the questionnaire the Mattachine sent to candidates for office in L.A., the one that compelled journalist Paul Coates to write his revealing article in our episode 3. A strange new pressure group claiming to represent the homosexual voters of Los Angeles. An informant tells the FBI about the new Mattachine leader, Ken Burns, applying for a P.O. box for the organization. The informant reports Ken's place of work and his personal references. The Bureau searches Ken Burns in the Retail Merchants Credit Association, the LAPD records, the LA Sheriff's Office, the voting registrar, and everywhere he had ever lived. The FBI learns that the Mattachine is meeting at the Red Cross Blood Center on South Vermont Street in LA to donate blood on August 7th, 1953, as a way to show that the organization gives back to the community. The special agent in charge in Los Angeles notes that the FBI will collect the names of those who give blood with credit to the Mattachine Society, and they will keep a list of these homosexual members. They also investigate the name signed on a letter from the Mattachine Society to a correspondent, Mrs. Henry Hay. But the Bureau still doesn't put together that this is actually Harry Hay using his mother's name. Had they figured out who she truly is, they would realize that they've been investigating Harry Hay since 1943 as a communist. But now, Harry Hay has officially severed ties from the Mattachine. He's gone. And one day, historian James Sears will say that the next leader of the Mattachine would impact gay history. And that new leader will sit on top of the Mattachine's delicate house of cards next week on Mattachine. Stay tuned for a preview of next week's episode. Mattachine was created and hosted by me, Devlin Camp. Share the show with your friends and family, whether they're gay, straight, asexual, or anywhere on the Kinsey scale. 
If you've been following the serialized story for seven episodes, I'm assuming you're enjoying the show. Please rate and review the show on iTunes, as that's a huge help to spread the word about the show. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Mattachine Files for visual elements I can't include in a podcast. Our editorial advisor is my constantly supportive friend, Paul DeCicio. Thanks, as always, to Albert Williams. Did you know he's in the Chicago Gay and Lesbian Hall of Fame? I posted the link on our Facebook page. Check out his amazing story. Voice actors for this episode were Dominic Caruso as Hal Call, Henry Coates as Bob Hull, Nathan Cooper as Chuck Rowland, Sal Gatto as Dora Legg and Reverend Wallace de Ortega Maxi, Brian Huff as Ken Burns, Gage Kyle as Jim Kepner, Mike Kanish and Evan Camp as the FBI agents, John Roth as David Finn, Courtney Tesh as Marilyn Boopsy Rieger, Faye Camp, Paul DeCicio, and Albert Williams as Mattachinos, Garrett Williams as Paul Coates, and Steve Camp as Harry Hay. You can find the sources for the show on our website, mattachinepod.com, along with all sorts of things I didn't have time to include today. And if you need to get in touch with me, you can do that on our website, too. The original Mattachine Society Jester logo and audio clips of Harry Hay are courtesy of One Archives at the USC Libraries. Audio clips from The Rejected, the first American documentary on homosexuality, are licensed by 13 Productions and WNET. The music for this episode were the songs Sunset at Glengorm, Echoes of Time, Rights, Ghost Processional, Finding the Balance, and The Complex, all by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. If you'd like to contribute to the production of this show and help us purchase permissions and licenses, you can check out our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash files to contribute as little as $1 per episode. Donors get to see photos through the research process, downloadable PDF transcripts of episodes, among other private perks. Check out the list at patreon.com slash files. And if you're a school teacher, contact me on mattachinepod.com to receive transcripts of every episode, including our resources, free of charge. Feel free to teach your students all the queer history you can get your hands on. Thanks for listening. Here's what's coming. Next week on Mattachine. Hal Call and his friend David Finn hang out at bars like the Black Cat. He's alerting all chapter leaders in the country to tell members not to speak with investigators. As for a place to live next summer, I will have it all fixed up just the way we planned, in a bachelor sort of way. Homosexuals are not seeking to overthrow or destroy any of society's existing institutions, laws, or mores, but to be assimilated as constructive, valuable, and responsible citizens. Into this idea of getting money. Let's cut our hair. Let's get dressed up like straights. If you fired all the homosexuals on the star, you wouldn't get the newspaper When out. the war drafts young men out of their homes and into the world, they see new places and meet new people they never would have met otherwise. Now keep this to yourself, but Dad thinks something is radically wrong with you and your boyfriends. Two flashlights beam through the windows. He is unhappy, neurotic, torn by conflict, inhibited in his social life. The time is ripe for a newsletter. I never saw you look that way to anybody before. What are we fighting for? A pattern of behavior that is acceptable to society in general and compatible with recognized institutions. Secret!